Okay, just to uh, touch briefly on the, um, some of the things that we want to uh, look at in uh, the conference, you'll see on most of our branding for the conference, we've been talking about what it means to recruit, what it means to reach, what it means to reap, and what it means to reproduce. And we just say, you know, these are like four pistons of an engine. If you're pioneering, if you're church planting, um, each of these are important considerations that we want to, obviously we want to, uh, if you want to go on a mission, if you want to go, uh, go to war, you've got to recruit an army. Okay, and so uh, one or two of the uh, sessions that we'll be looking at over the next few days is just ex exploring that together. How do we, how do we recruit uh, an army for the mission that God has given us? Then obviously we want to reach. We want to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, the ends of the earth. That's what we're here to do. Tiny villages, huge cities, whole regions and nations, other cultures living among us. That's what we're here. We're here to reach. We're here to go and fill the earth with the glory of God. We're here to reach. And um, we're here to reap. We want to uh, reap a harvest of souls. That is at the core of our motivation. You know, we've got our Willy Wonka golden ticket out of here. All right. But as Mike was praying earlier, it's too good to keep it to ourselves. We want to share that. We want to reach and reap. And... Uh, and then obviously there is a call on us to reproduce and that's a very, very important thing for us to consider. We're here to, to make so, uh, disciples, we're here to raise up and train and release leaders. And those are the four things that we, we're going to be looking at. We've got some, uh, some great help with that. Mike's going to be speaking. Uh, Clyde Thomas has come over from, from Cambran. Where are you Clyde? Give us a wave. There he is. Clyde, when Clyde shares his testimony and shares the gospel, I, you know, he's one of those guys who you think, did I ever get saved in the first place? You know, I better be sure and put my hand up because he's one of the most, he's, he knows how to squeeze and grip a heart. He knows how to bring people to a point of, uh, of crisis in confronting Christ for themselves. And if we can just get an ounce of his anointing for what it means to reap souls, I would go home a happy man. So I'm really looking forward to hearing Clyde. Uh, Chris Taylor's come across from uh, The Hague. Where are you, Chris? There's you all right in the back there. Okay. So blessed to have Chris with us, who's on this amazing uh, mission to plant 10 churches in 10 cities in 10 years, 10 by 10 by 10, a cubic ton. He's going to do it, I'm absolutely sure. And uh, it's, he's got a lot to teach us about reaching and recruiting and reproducing, so he's going to be sharing with us as well. Uh, Mike, I'll be talking about him a little later also. He's with us. Mike, we're blessed to have you with us. Thank you for making the time uh, to come and uh, be among your children. Okay. <laughs> the fruit of your spiritual loins, okay? Okay? Oh, here. <laughs> it is great. And we've got, obviously, we've got our seminars with uh, Vlada. Where are you, Vlada? You're probably normally at the back. There he is there. Vlada's going to be teaching us uh, what we need to know about uh, reaching to, across to other cultures. Uh, Grantley's here, he's going to uh, fill us up. Where are you, Grantley? Wonderful. He's going to be speaking to us about, uh, in his seminar stream, about what it means to minister in the power of the kingdom, uh, which is such an important thing for the mainland of Europe. And then also we've got our prophetic track with uh, Mike Bollinger. Where are you, Mike? There he is. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. So anyway, these are some of the people that are going to be serving and helping us. 
and uh, hopefully this is going to be a helpful time for you. And I just want to really start by looking at what it means for us to reach the nations of the world, to reach the regions where God has placed us, to reach the neighbourhoods, the streets and the back alleys, wherever God has put us, <clears throat> whatever God has put on your heart. And it's a very, very simple principle. We know from uh, Genesis 1 and 28 that there is a call on mankind to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. And this command is repeated often at crucial points in the early narratives, as we know. Back in verse uh, 24, there's a principle of multiplication. And that is that each would reproduce according to its kind. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment for anybody that's from another nation that has got their translation of the Bible, <laughs> who is thinking, what on earth does the word kind mean? Reproducing after, you know, a dog would reproduce another dog. It's not going to reproduce a cat, you know. And, uh, or if it does, you've made a major breakthrough in... Uh, in sort of some field of science. But in principle, there is a, a, a first order principle that when we multiply, we multiply after, we reproduce after our own kind, the Bible tells us. So Jesus restates this for us in Matthew 28, 18. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is like a spiritual restatement of this be fruitful and multiply principle. And uh, it's a command to us to be fruitful and multiply, to make disciples, and fill the earth, all nations. Okay, so this is the uh, command that is upon us from Jesus. So this principle of multiplication is that we would each reproduce according to its kind. And this is what I wanted to unpack a little bit. Together, at an individual level, it's obvious we are looking to raise up Christians. We're looking to raise up followers of Christ. We're looking to multiply Christ in one another. That's the obvious application of that. Disciples of Jesus, those who are looking to shape themselves in every way to the kind of Christ. We have his blood in our spiritual veins. His spirit is a well of living water within us. He's created a new heart within us. We are being conformed to his likeness every day. Mission, among many things, involves reaching out to the lost, leading them to salvation, and raising them up as disciples of Christ according to his kind. Our, our disciples should look like Jesus. So at an individual level, you see this principle of multiplication at work. But there's also a principle to apply at a collective level. And church planting involves a different demonstration of multiplication. We are multiplying whole communities of believers built on apostolic and prophetic foundations with Christ as the cornerstone. And what is the kind or culture of the churches that we're planting? What is, what, are, what is the kind we are reproducing? And is that an important question? <laughs> Amen. I've got one convinced person in the room already. Okay. All right. Churches are established on apostolic and prophetic foundations. Apostles are spiritual fathers 
who propagate whole families of churches according to their own kinds. Okay? So turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 4. It will come up on the, uh, the screen. Here's see, this is what Paul has to say. And he says this. These will be uh, familiar words to many of you. 1 Corinthians 4, 15 to 17. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And for this reason, I've sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul is obviously saying there is a significant difference between a guardian or a mentor or a coach and someone who is to you a father through the gospel. If you are pioneering or church planting, you need to know who is your father in the gospel because you're going to reproduce and propagate the culture of that family and you're going to reproduce that DNA. You're going to reproduce after a kind and that kind is found in the culture of the father, of the apostolic father whose values and culture and DNA you're looking to reproduce. You can have many mentors and coaches, but a father is very precious and it's a completely different relationship. It's more than just an experienced and thoughtful advisor. It involves intimate, trusting relationship of the heart. And we'll look at that in just a moment. Paul goes on to encourage the Corinthians to imitate him, imitate his personal culture. Timothy would remind them of his way of life, not just his methods and techniques, but his way of life, as well as remind them of what he teaches everywhere, is what he's saying in those verses. But he expands this further in his writings to Timothy, who he's sending to Corinth. If you turn to 2 Timothy 3, and this will come up as well if you haven't uh, immediately got access to your Bible. 2 Timothy 3, uh, 10 and 11, and then 14 and 15. It says this, You, however, speaking to Timothy, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learnt it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is labouring something here. He's labouring the quality of the relationship that he shares with Timothy. He's really labouring the point. You know about my teaching. You know about my conduct. You know about my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. You get an appreciation that this is a deeper level of connection or relationship than simply that of an advisor or a mentor. The healthy relationship between a father and a son or daughter is like, is like nothing else. And Paul is appealing to this. 
Our identity is wrapped up in what we understand it to mean, that we are now children of God. We're not servants or slaves or workers. We're children. And Paul is appealing here to his father-son relationship with Timothy. He's saying, you know me. right? You know what I've gone through. You know how I've borne this. You know my aims and my ambitions, my character and my behaviour and my attitudes. You know my culture. You are of my kind. Now teach and show others how to do likewise. So Paul is describing his personal culture, his apostolic DNA, his kind. That's what he's describing. He distinguishes it from the authority of the sacred writings. Obviously, many of his writings would go on to become sacred in their own right. But he's saying, continue in what you've learned and what you've firmly believed, knowing from who you've learned it. In other words, reproduce my culture, reproduce my DNA, my kind, and how you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. So he's not overwriting that in a sense. He's saying, look, here's the sacred writings, here's my culture, go and reproduce this. So you can imagine that if you lived with Paul, and if he was a father through the gospel to you, and that we're well acquainted with the sacred writings and with his teaching, conduct, aim in life, faith, patience, life, steadfastness, and we were committed to imitating him in this, then we would inevitably reproduce churches built to, the, to his culture or to his kind. Okay? So are you understanding the point I'm trying to make here? All right. I'm, I, I'm labouring it a bit, but if we're looking to reproduce something, we reproduce after a kind. What is the kind we're looking to reproduce? Well, Paul describes his culture, his kind, and he is exhorting Timothy to reproduce this. So being fruitful and multiplying when applied to church planting is about multiplying and reproducing the apostolic culture of who we receive as our Father through the Gospel. So how do we apply this to ourselves? Well, for a generation, we were shaped by the apostolic culture of Terry Virgo, who was a father through the Gospel to many of us. We became acquainted with his teaching and his conduct, his aim in life, his faith, patience, steadfastness, as we explored the sacred writings together with him. And then six or seven years ago, uh, a bit like Martin, I can't quite remember when, <laughs> it was a while ago, at a leaders' conference, he recognised and released 24, 25 or so spiritual sons as apostolic fathers in their own right. Each of them were recognised and released to be a father to their own family of churches, each shaped by their own apostolic culture. And when this happened, a very important thing took place. They agreed between them, it's taken a little while, this process, but they agreed upon a set of values that defined the culture that they shared in common together. The kind that they shared, this is their kind, reproducing after their own kind, and they sought to define this and agreed upon a set of values that would be at the core of the culture of any apostolic family that was recognised as part of New Frontiers. Originally there were 17 values, some of you will be familiar with that, magazines were uh, published with those. But these have been refined to nine core values, which I'm pretty sure everyone in this room has learnt by heart. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, Morris, I'm a new frontiers person through and through. I know these values right through to the core. I, you will. Don't worry. You will. These values are at the core of our identity and culture as an apostolic family of churches. If you go to any one of the apostolic families or spheres anywhere in the world that are part of New Frontiers, you should find these core values. Now, it's the first evening of uh, a conference in a beautiful, warm place. Uh, it, it doesn't seem very inspirational to go through these values, but I just feel it's important to do it. I just feel it's important to just go through them and just say, okay, let's just remind ourselves, let's celebrate something that is precious to us We've, we've worked hard for these values. The generation that were before us have fought for these values. They paid a high price that we haven't had to pay in order to establish this foundation for us to build upon. And these are values that we agree with and that are dear to us. And so we're going to rehearse them together, okay? And they boiled them down to nine. So here we go. They're going to come up. There are three core, top, core doctrinal values. Number one, that we are word-based there's some scripture references. Uh, we believe in the absolute truthfulness and sufficiency and the final authority of scripture. This value is expressed through the Bible, having the central place in governing doctrine, practice, ethos, and patterns of church life. Amen? Amen. This is us, folks. Okay? Number two, grace-filled. This is uh, the second of the core doctrinal values. Scripture references are there. The message of grace and the gospel is central to the Christian life and local church. Grace ought to be expressed in relation to salvation, church life, relationships, and leadership style. We see our salvation as a work of God from start to finish. Amen. This is the page we're on. Spirit empowered. Some references there. We believe all the gifts in Scripture are available and desirable today for building the local church and extending the kingdom of God. We believe every believer should be filled with the Spirit as part of God's desire to empower us for Christian life and witness. Yeah. Amen. This is us. So, core leadership values. Elders in each local church. The references are there. The Holy Spirit appoints elders confirmed by the church and apostolic ministry Church government is not a democracy, nor an autocracy, but rather a theocracy. Elders' main functions involve leading, feeding, guarding and guiding the church. We see elders as the calling of qualified men who lead as a team in their shared endeavour. It has been our normal practice to see one of the elders provide leadership to the eldership team as a first among equals. Amen. This is one of our values. Ephesians 4 Ministries. So this, again, is core leadership values. There's uh, references in Scripture there. All Ephesians 4.11 gifts are valid today and help bring churches to maturity and to equip men and women to fulfill their God-given ministry. Eldership teams are encouraged to invite Ephesians 4 ministries to help bring their local church to maturity. Local elders are the final human governing authority in a local church. However, the local elders are encouraged to invite and then to receive clear apostolic input and authority. Hooray! Yeah. Good. <laughs> Servant-hearted. I love this. There's the references. Christian leadership, in its essence, is a call to be an example, not an exception. Following the example of Jesus, Christian leaders are meant to serve others, not be served. Christian leadership should be godly, transparent, accessible. Christian leadership exists to multiply ministry, not monopolize it. 
Christian leadership ought to have a bias towards partnership and collaboration with other gospel-shaped leaders rather than to demonstrate isolation and individualism. (sighs) Core mission values. Local church focused. We regard the local church as central to the mission and purposes of God. We see the local church as the place of primary focus for Ephesians 4 ministries. Ephesians 4 ministries exist to serve the local church, not the other way around. Mission ought to be expressed both locally and globally and holistically. I'm quite sure the grammar of that there, both locally and globally and holistically. We desire to see local churches effectively and fruitfully engaged in local kingdom mission. We desire to see local churches caught up on a global apostolic kingdom mission. We desire to see local churches involved in holistic mission, engaging with all sectors of society, particularly the poor and the marginalised. Normally, local fruitfulness and effectiveness leads to a wider sphere of ministry rather than the other way around. If you understand that sentence, can you explain it to me afterwards? But as for the rest of it, hooray! We can do that. Okay, right. Finally, contextual freedom in application. We recognise that our core values will need to be contextualised and applied differently in different contexts. Sound contextualisation means translating and applying our core values without compromising the essence of the values themselves. Amen. So this is the set of values that has been agreed among those that uh, Terry has recognised and released as apostolic fathers among us. And they're saying, wherever we go, whatever we do, we will reproduce after this kind. This is our culture. This is what we are. If people say, well, what is New Frontiers? You can point to this. This is what makes us tick. There's an important principle about values clarity. Okay, and it it works like this. What these guys in the grace and wisdom of God are sought to do is create a very, very simple set of agreed values. And so in terms of what that core of values represents, it's very simple, it's very straightforward, it's very reproducible. Then it's... Upon, there is a freedom upon apostolic sphere leaders or family, apostolic family leaders, those spheres that have been multiplied. When someone comes up with a better word than sphere, let me know. That's the word we got for the meantime. So we multiplied apostles. And they have got the freedom to bring greater definition to that, cl- to that clarity. So you see that sense in which there is a simplicity at the core And then this sort of concentric circle of clarity that's applied by the sphere leaders. And then there's a freedom upon local leaders to bring particular definition and clarity to how those values are applied in their own context. This is a very, very important principle. If we get this principle right, we can go anywhere in the world. We can go anywhere in the world. Because what we want to do is we want to we reproduce these values in every culture of the world. Because these values are not British values. They're not even New Frontiers <laughs> values as, as such. They're essential New Testament values. And we're saying if we can reproduce these in every culture, in every tongue, tribe and nation, it, it will be well with them. 
this is the kind we're trying to reproduce. It's going to be fruitful. One of the errors of the denominations, and I'm here to honour everything else that God is doing in this nation and everywhere else. I'm not here to dishonour anything. But one of the errors of denomination is to go for super clarity at the core. <laughs> they go for mega super clarity at the core. They write volume after volume after volume after volume at the core of what the value should be. And by the time it filters through their various sort of ranks of hierarchy to the local expression, people have got in a bit of a muddle about what that should be and things get left out and overlooked and drift and so on and so forth. What we're looking for is the reverse. So I've got a quote here from Dave Devonish. Bit of a, a paragraph here, but listen carefully, because he's expressing the philosophy behind this that is married to these values. He says this, moving forward, it will be our expectation that increasing values and practices clarity would occur as you move from new frontiers to a particular sphere, and then from a sphere to a particular local church within that sphere. The role of New Frontiers is not to exclusively define all the values for a sphere, nor for a sphere to fully define the values of the churches they are partnering with. Rather, we see concentric circles of values clarity, starting with essential foundational New Frontiers values, then moving to a sphere value set, and finally ending with a more detailed local church value set. We feel this way of relating to values both helps us lay genuine biblical values in, a local, in local churches while still honouring the role and responsibility of apostolic leaders and local elders. Do you hear that? Okay. I want you to get a hold of this. It's very, very important. So at the core, we have our apostolic DNA, the nine values that we've just read. That defines what we are. Whatever apostolic sphere you go to, you'll find those values being expressed. Then when you go to those apostolic spheres, you'll find that the apostolic leader in that sphere will bring his own particular clarity to those values, his own emphasis, his own clarity, how that's going to be applied in his family without in any way letting go of those values. You say, no, we, we, these, we agree with these values. We're going to apply them in our family here. This is how. And then we are planting churches that are reproducing this DNA and we're saying to those churches, you now, you have to work out how to apply these in your own context. We're not, we're not going to tell you how to do that. You've got to figure out how to do that. We're not, we're, we're not a, a, a multiplying a method. <laughs> you know? We're not multiplying a style. We're not multiplying a technique. We're a values-driven movement. We're multiplying a set of values. All right? And this is our DNA. And as we, as we plant and reproduce... We are, we are reproducing that DNA and that culture. So any new frontiers you will go anywhere in the world should be able to point to those nine values and say, yeah, that's in our, that is in our culture. That's our kind. And then you'll see from different apostolic family to different apostolic family, different ways in which that has been articulated and expressed and emphasised according to the clarity brought by the apostolic sphere leader. And then in the local context, you will see how people ministering locally have understood their own context and thought, right now, how do I apply these values into my context? And that's the flow of how these things are going to work. So we are part of relational mission. And um, 
Our motivation to plant churches is not to create an ever-growing empire or, as I say, to export any sort of style or technique or methods. We are looking to reproduce in culture after culture a set of values that God has revealed to us about himself, about us, about this great salvation, about his glorious church, about his ever-growing kingdom, about his mission, and much more. And these values are very, very precious. These uh, regions and nations and cities and cultures need these values. They don't need a Brit, an Englishman, turning up, telling you how to run a church. All right? They don't need that. All right? That's never what we wanted to do. What we're saying is, look, these values, are, I don't care where you come from, these values are precious. All right? And we want to help you build, as you see people saved, we want to help you build beautiful kingdom cultures that express this, that express these values, that they love the word of God, they love the spirit of God, it's the family, they're on a mission, it's healthy, Ephesians 4, uh, ministries in operation, all the things that we've just been looking at. We're looking to see this come about wherever God will take us. So if you want to reach your town or city or region or nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can do that on your own, all right? You can. You just, you're absolutely free to do it on your own. You can do it with a missions organisation. If you want to plant churches in a way that is, a, is reproducing after its own kind in the way that we consider is demonstrated to us in the New Testament, then these are the questions that you should consider. Number one, who is my father through the gospel? Very important, because you're looking to reproduce apostolic DNA. You're looking to reproduce the culture of an apostolic family. Who is my father through the gospel? Yeah? Who is it that, that you know, that I'm in... So you as part of a group are relating to an apostolic team under the leadership of an apostolic father where you're able to have the sort of conversation that Paul was able to have with Timothy, where he says, Look, you, know, you know what we try to do here, okay? And continue in it, uh, well acquainted with the Holy Scriptures as you are, but continue in these things as you have been taught and as these things have been modelled to you and demonstrated to you in whatever context that God is taking to you. So... Who is my father through the gospel? I think is a question for us to consider carefully. And then what is the, the kind, what is the culture that I'm looking to reproduce? Yeah? So, for us in relational mission, our father through the gospel is Mike. Hey. We are the fruit of... No, no, I won't do that yet. Mike is our father through the gospel and with a team of men seeks to propagate his culture uh, through all those that, that would look to Mike as a father. If people don't look to him as a father, then he can't expect them to receive his culture. You know, it's, it's, um, and neither would, uh, would we want to insist on that. You know, it's, it's a relationship of the heart, a willingness to say, no, I wanna, I'm with you, you know, I'll build with you. And um, you know, we're very happy to embrace, uh, embrace and bless others uh, on that journey. But if we're looking to, to work with these uh, principles, then we need to know who is our apostolic father. And for us in relational mission, Mike 
He's our father through the gospel. Mike is fully committed to the New Frontiers core values that we read through earlier. Mike has added further clarity to these values by publishing a simple book, Relational Mission, A Way of Life. Here it is. No, it isn't, because Johnny Haig borrowed it and didn't give it, you didn't give it back, did you, Johnny? I don't know what you do with it. So. <laughs> Anybody got a copy of Mike's book they can wave at us? Mike, they don't carry it around with them, Mike. I can't. I thought they'd, I thought they'd, they'd, they'd learn by rote the nine values and carry Mike's book. I thought that's what we all did. Anyway, so Mike has helped, added helpful clarity. It's behind you. It's behind me. <laughs> There they are, the values, okay. Now this book brings clarity to our own apostolic family with Mike as our father through the gospel. So a way of life. So a real family creating authentic church culture, raising sons and daughters. It's all about making disciples. Everyone a witness, equipping everyone for personal evangelism, corporate and individual evangelism. The prayers of many, the practice of persistent corporate prayer, a culture of prayer among us. A church for a broken world, looking to serve our community, looking to, uh, you know, in every way, demonstrate that we're here for good. Uh, starting new families, obviously church planting. We have a compass but no map. Prophetic obedience, not simply strategy, but putting strategy together with uh, uh, prophetic obedience. These are Mike's particular emphasis. And these values are important for us. What I was going to do, but I, I have mercy on you and spare you this task. I had for each of you a, a chart where you could chart where you were on this list of values in terms of how, how, how well established you think these values are. It's not, it wasn't sort of a test. It's more a sense of how can we help. Maybe we could look at doing that another day. We've done that a few times with some churches. It's a very, very interesting exercise that where churches feel that they're strong and where churches feel that they could do with some help in establishing these values among them was almost a direct correlation with the leaders. <laughs> so if a leader was really motivated about praying, funnily enough, the church was really strong in its prayer life. And if they're a bit weak on another thing, funnily enough, the church was a bit weak on another thing, which is a bit of a sobering thing, which is why I wanted to do the exercise with you, just to say, look, you're going to reproduce after your own kind, where you are, your strengths and your values and your things that you're good at and the things that you're not so good at. If you don't diversify and connect and build team and work in league with others, then you'll, you'll simply reproduce after your own kind, which is a good thing and not always a good thing. Any parent will know that. <laughs> anyway, so what is relational mission? It's an apostolic family. With Mike as our father in the gospel, committed to a precious set of apostolic values, looking to be fruitful, to multiply this apostolic culture to the ends of the earth. And this is really where I just wanted us to start in terms of what it means to reach. What it means to reach is to fill the earth with the glory of God. And uh, that is going to happen, you know, we are made in the image of God. That is going to happen as we carry the glory of God with us uh, from culture to culture. And we, uh, my appeal from Paul's own uh, philosophy on this is for us to be attentive to what it means for us to reproduce after our own kind. And reproducing after our own kind is to be clear of who is our apostolic father through the gospel 
and to be convinced of a core set of values that we agree with across the whole network of networks that is now New Frontiers and that we're devoted to the values that, that Mike is bringing clarity to as we look to serve his mission and that we are being creative and thoughtful about how those values should be applied in our own context. Yeah, not just copying a model, but looking to say, no, hang on, you know, the value is the same, but we need to express this in a different way to the way it might be expressed in another context. And that's a very, very important question to engage and to, as I say, just be creative in finding ways in which that can be expressed in your own culture. So, what I want us to do, really, just in, uh, in bringing this uh, session to a close, and while you're thinking about that lovely Italian restaurant that isn't too far away, it's just one little trip on the metro away. I'm not sure how I feel about swapping the order of this, you know, because originally we were having uh, the, the meal before uh, the session. Now we're in the session before the meal. You can see people <laughs> hanging in there. Come on. For the joy set before us, we can endure this. All right. All right. I think my deep, what, what gets me out of bed in the morning, what motivates me, what stirs me is that when I look across the nations of the earth, when I look across particularly for me personally, it will be different for some, uh, some of us here, but when I, I look across Europe, I see that the kingdom of God expressed through the church has not always been very adequately expressed. <laughs> I want to be honouring. I don't want to dishonour the body of Christ. I don't want to dishonour those who labour in good faith in what they've been taught. But God's given us a revelation and, you know, that we would change the expression of Christianity in the world today. And that's either something incredibly arrogant or it's something we've got to humble ourselves before and say, God, we've been given a precious deposit and we've got to carry this with us and multiply it and see it released into every culture that God would give us the opportunity to give us. This is what stirs me. These values are precious. The, the, you know, sort of evangelical Protestant Christianity is not particularly strongly represented in the nations of Europe. But mature, healthy Ephesians 4 New Testament Protestant evangelical Christianity is virtually absent. And uh, there's a huge amount of work to do in seeing people saved and gathered to healthy expressions of uh, apostolic kind, of apostolic culture, and also of building models that would be a help and an encouragement to others in these nations who are laboring for the Lord and, uh, and showing them the freedom that God has given us. I'm trying to speak humbly here. I don't want to speak arrogantly. Uh, I don't want to speak dishonoringly of the cultures we're trying to reach. But do you hear what I'm trying to say? Yeah? And so this is a very important forum where we can rehearse these values and we can think, how can we apply this where God is taking us? How can we apply this in the nation that God has put on my heart? How can I apply this to the district of my city, which is entirely different to the district next door? And so I've got to find a different way of applying it here to how my friends might apply it five kilometres down the road. You know, it's a very, very important thing for us to grasp and get hold of. So... I don't want to, uh, to drag this out or keep us hanging on too long tonight. You've had a lot of travel. I want us to pray with each other. 
I just want to encourage you to find one or two people. Don't, don't get too big a group. Just one or two people where, uh, preferably people maybe that you've not had the chance to meet yet. And just say, you know, this is where God has put on my heart. You know? Uh, even if you can't be very specific, even if it's just Europe or... Uh, I mean, the world is, is quite non-specific, but, you know, if you can... <laughs> it may be a town or a region or a district or even a continent, you know, and we're saying, God, we, we long to see this freedom. We long to see these churches devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the Word of God. We long to see beautiful communities afire with the power and the presence of God. We long to see churches that are a beautiful family not a hierarchy or an institution or an organisation. We long to see churches that are overspilling with life. We long to see churches that are awash with the grace of God. We long to see these things wherever you would place us and put us. We long for this. We long to see men and women released and empowered to their full potential in Christ, in the power of the Spirit. We long to see the kingdom of God washing down the streets of our cities and towns with healings and wonders that cause people to taste and see how good our God is. We long to see this. We long to see this wherever God would take us. And so I just want you to pray with one another. Heartfelt prayer, saying, God, come. Will you come? Will you come by your presence? Will you come by your truth? Will you come in power and glory? Will you come and do what only you can do? We will do the best we can but there's things only you can do in terms of unlocking whole nations, unlocking cities and villages, so that we can see the, the DNA of apostolic culture reproduced, authentic New Testament culture reproduced in town after town after town.